page. It'll be a, a festivist miracle. Hey, everybody. Greetings, greetings. Oh, abrupt stop to the music. Hey, <laughs> welcome, welcome. Uh, if all is going as planned, we are the Mount Rushmore Podcast, and we are doing our second, actually, this is our third stream uh, of our podcast. We've been doing this podcast for four, five or seven six, years. Six years. Six years. Uh, but we've just got back into streaming out of uh, demand, public demand, really. They want to see our faces, uh, probably due to pending court cases. They would like to see our faces and confirm that we are right. the ones. It's kind of like a police lineup. And it is a police lineup because we uh, have some really awesome dudes here. I am Jeff, and over here there's uh, my buddy right here. He's... Michael. Okay. And Howdy. This, this guy over here, he's... Richard, hello. Richard, and uh, we Jeff are, is going off script. <laughs> I'm yeah. going way off script. We are collectively the Mount Rushmore Podcast, and this episode uh, is one in which we, as normal, uh, debate and deliberate the most ubiquitous aspects of uh, different topics, and this uh, week is no different, and um, we are going to debate and deliberate the Mount Rushmore of fictional countries uh michael you chose mm-hmm. this topic justify it uh i don't know tell the audience i don't know i'm used to talking to you <laughs> i'm used to looking at you in the eyes and now i'm oh. looking at a at a thing what that a says my name on it and i'm pretty vain but even that's a bit much for me um i don't know exactly why i think this was one of those things that i'm sure i saw oh you know what it's, it's probably one of my choices that uh is the ultimate justification or made me think of other ones but um you know, we've done a lot of fictional everything, and why not countries? They de- they deserve, you know, deserve love too. They deserve love too. A country is has sometimes can have its own sense of character, or often uh, in movies and books and whatever, they're stand-ins for real places when you kind of don't want to use the real name of a place. You don't want to. Sometimes you don't want to offend. Some places it's like it's a fantastical. Uh, place that you just have to invent because there's no place like in the world. Other times it's um, it's like uh, I want to I want to talk about this um, country in the Middle East, but I don't want to I don't want to offend like Saudi Arabia, so it's going to be called like Qatar, um, yeah, a, a, a Barica, or so you know they just you just change it. So Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia, Arabia, where you're just like, eh, we're just kind of fudging it a little bit, because yeah, yeah it's, it's like you wind up with the uh, the the Doctor Doctor A, the uh, Walmart brand version of that country. <laughs> yeah, Doctor Schneem, Doctor yeah. Pib, yeah, yeah, uh, Mister Soda. I would also say that's funny about uh, this topic for me is. More and more, the country that we live in has seemed to be a fiction. The idea, mm. <laughs> the concept. <laughs> that was one of my notes was the concept of the United States. <laughs> Count as fictional? Yeah. Question I mean, mark? I mean, you know, are we allowed to choose New Zealand? Because I don't think that place really exists. All the people are like really nice from there. Yeah. They're really sensible. They have this fantastic, uh, you know. Well, they're all hobbits there, all right? Hobbits. There. It's all you know. The the geography of the place is out of this world, and you know, I don't think it, I think it's all like green screen. Yeah, I think the people are just like, uh, you know, Australians doing an extra accent. <laughs> I, I would have to say that it seems uh, fictional countries like uh, the fictional country of New Zealand. Um, 
it's all seem very, much more manageable. They're so tiny. They're yeah. so small. They're sure. cute. And maybe that's uh, uh, one thing that uh, befalls a great a great empire like the United States is that it becomes so big, it's, it's unyieldy. But since this is your topic, um, uh, Richard, I would like for you to start first with your choice of a fictional country. And I'll see if I can bring up whatever illustration we may have. All right. So my first choice, and I had a couple of choices that came to mind right away. Then a couple of ones that I sort of had, ide- as they, as we would say in big business, ideate on for a while. Hmm. It has a real good marketing term that I just dropped in there. Um, so my first one was the, I think, the, maybe the most obvious one, Wakanda. Good choice. Not Wakanda. on your list? Wow, that's uh, surprising. My voice went up an octave. <laughs> uh, no, I, I definitely thought of Wakanda, uh, and then I chose another Marvel comic, comic book one. Property. Yeah, I figured there, there's... There are many to choose from, so I figured you wouldn't get uh, uh, you wouldn't get you wouldn't lose anything in not picking it. Yeah. Me being kind of the big dumb MCU is pretty much what I know about Marvel. Wakanda for me. Okay, what are the reasons uh, that you were drawn to Wakanda? Well, I I just love this concept of this incredibly technologically advanced society that they've managed to keep hidden mm-hmm. thanks to their technology. And, you know, purpose, instead of taking a leading role on the world stage, has just become this insular, you know, just very, very much this, their own, literally almost their own world. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously in Black Panther, throughout the course of the movie, that's part of the, 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 the kind of ongoing plot and sort of the, the push and pull between, should we go out there and be more open and honest about who we are on the world stage and kind of open people up to all these technological innovations and mounds of vibranium that we're sitting on? Or should we continue to be insular? Should we wind up using our technology to fund, you know, rebel fighters around the world? That would be the Killmonger version of it. Uh, But I just was very drawn to this idea of what do you, when you have a country that is so advanced what is the is your obligation to the people of wakanda or is it to the world to be a global Mm -hmm. citizen yeah and that's ultimately kind of i think a lot of what black panther is about Mm -hmm. i think it's also fascinating to me wakanda is not wakanda as depicted in black panther is not a product of colonialism Uh, it it has had much of its treasures plundered by the um the uh, Western world of, of uh, European uh, people. Yeah. But the Afrofuturism in the design is so unique to Marvel, mm-hmm. and it's such a cool thing to have depicted in the superhero universe, which is usually flag waving, red, white, and blue. Right. <laughs> that kind of thing. So th- that's a neat thing to see. I mean, and obviously, you know, I know that, that the concept of Wakanda kind of means a lot to a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and I, I totally get why. Um, I. Like, like you said, the look of Wakanda is is just striking and unique. It's this yeah. very Afro futurist sort of thing, like you yeah. like you said. Um, I just I, I just think that the idea of it is is really great, and the execution of it in Black Panther is pretty yeah. much flawless. Yeah, it's superb. It's uh, you know I think it's it, the entire country as depicted. It's very interesting in that they you know they cloak their themselves with their technology from the world, but then they also like cloak themselves uh, within this framework of being this very poor nation as well. They, you know, they mm-hmm. put out this image to the world 
that they don't want anybody to really um, think about them right. all that much. Mm-hmm. And they literally don't want people to think about them and what they, they can offer. And um, uh, yeah, real one of the real gems of the Marvel Universe. Yep. Okay. All right. Cool. Uh, that is uh, Richard leading off on Michael's topic. If you are listening at home uh, uh, via the podcast or in your car or whatever, uh, this is uh, a uh, new thing that we have. Hopefully, you are a longtime listener, but we are starting back up again doing some streaming shows. So you now have the option, if you are just a podcast listener, to see these shows streamed. So we are very grateful to have you uh, come find us out there on Facebook where we'll be streaming. And I guess we could also repost these on YouTube if we get our act together. So thanks for listening and turn into a podcast watcher if you would like to. So this topic is the Mount Rushmore of fictional countries and Michael chose it. Now Michael gets to let us know his first choice. Okay. So my um, first choice, since you talked about um, Wakanda, I'll talk about Genosha, which is, um, uh, a country, fictionalized country, in the Marvel Universe. Um, it hasn't really appeared um, in the movies very much. Maybe it was in, uh, I, you know, I think it was in one of the X-Men movies. But it is a kind of apartheid state um, country where it's run by humans, but they have a gigantic um, mutant population. And um, even more so, they have a mutate population, which is where they basically took mutants they take their dna they boil them down and they create these kind of like this slave kind of horrible horrible slave state within within the country where a lot of these um people don't have you know proper human rights and all this stuff and if anybody does escape from the country they kind of send out like bounty hunters to bring them back and uh kind of like wakanda they're very highly uh technological and very um they try to put out a good face but they're very much they're very insular. They're very protective of how the very wealthy uh, of the country are. Um, and they're like not ashamed by the way they treat the mutants of their country. <laughs> and it takes, you know, obviously like the X-Men to bring them down and to kind of um, topple the government uh, in the country. Um, it later becomes like a like kind of safe house or kind of bastion or like a, a, like a place where mutants can kind of live um, in peace or live just amongst themselves without this sort of threat after the government was overthrown and um, eventually Magneto becomes like, I don't know, if he's king of the island or ruler of the island. And it ultimately has like this really like tragic um, end when like this giant sentinel comes and like kills 17 million mutants. Just, it just mm. hor- like horrible. You know, it's yeah. like all, it, but it becomes this like uh, this place where even even these kind of supposed safe places for mutants aren't ever safe. You yeah. know, the mutant um, analogy um, often is, you know, uh, for marginalized people and um, and minorities. You know, the mutant can take so many different forms. Mm-hmm. You could, uh, and I think having a specific state or country. It's just like the mutant country is um, pretty interesting. Yeah, I wonder some sometimes some of these uh, f- fiction casts holds up a mirror to reality, and in some cases, I think these uh, fictional domains are a representative of something that did exist in the world. Oh, for sure. You know, this is the G- the country of Genosha in Marvel Comics is like set off of the 
uh, east coast of Africa, kind of around like um, Madagascar, the Seychelles or something. And uh, it's definitely meant as a commentary on South African apartheid at the time. Um, The writer Chris Chris Claremont, I don't think was really subtle about it. I think it's, you know, specifically where it's even located in just off of Africa is like, okay, these are, this is what they're kind of dealing with. Mm -hmm. But you often, like, I, you know, we kind of talked in the, the beginning. You always, Sometimes you don't want to just say, like, okay, well, this is happening in South Africa. Let's create our own country where we can talk about this issue and then uh, have it have its own personality, have its yeah. own people, have its own culture and everything, much like uh, Wakanda, you know? Right. Hey, uh, John Stead and Ron Adolph Jr., I want to thank you guys for watching. And if you contribute at the $500 a month level... Um, you'll get a tote bag or something. Bag. We'll print out all the Mount Rushmore podcasts and send them to you. To as your, a book. As a book. No, just kidding. Uh, we don't need your money. We need your input. Uh, we would love to find out if you have any fave fictional countries from anything. Movies, TV, comics, uh, cartoons, uh, whatever you got. Uh, put it in the chat. We'd love to hear from you. And anybody else uh, who's come across this, please... Put it in uh, the chat. Let us know uh, what fictional country uh, you would like to see us debate, possibly. So with that, uh, Richard is going to let us know his second. All right. My second one, the other one that came to me pretty much right away was Tomania, the uh, fictional country that uh, Adnoid Hinkle runs in (laughs) Charlie Chaplin's 1941 film, The Great Dictator. Ah. Okay. What what set you this far back to dig this one up? Well, I... It's one of my favorite movies, full yeah. stop. And in terms of classic movies, it's right up there as as, as one of my favorites. Um, I think, as Michael said, there are times when filmmakers or comic book creators or writers or, who, or whoever it happens to be, um, sometimes it can be too real if you set it in an act, the actual country where something is happening. So whether it's South Africa and apartheid or the Holocaust and Nazi Germany, um, it could be almost seen as too close to the cutting too close to the bone mm-hmm. if you actually set it there. Okay. Because then you're then it looks like you're trying to make. F- I think it it makes it seem like you're trying to make fun of this horrible thing that's happening. Yeah. If you're making something like the Great Dictator, which is satire but also funny in a lot of ways. Um. So if you set it in, in a made up country with a a made up not quite Nazi party and a not quite Hitler. Then you have that kind of freedom to be able to uh, get away with a little bit more. Yeah. You can also get uh, Mussolini in there. You can get Mussolini <laughs> in there. You can get the, the whole cast of everyone's favorite cast of characters. Yeah. Yeah. What a fun choice. Uh, I also, it's hard for me to recall what exactly we knew about the atrocities that were happening at that point. Uh, because for a guy like Mel Brooks to satirize, um, Adolf Hitler and and uh, Nazis and things, and right? For uh, Steven Spielberg to to have an archaeologist punch him in the face, you know, <laughs> we're far enough away from that. But uh, I forget from a time. Do you remember, like, recall what, at what point? He, uh, Chaplin has said he did when this came out. No one knew like the extent uh, of what was happening, death yeah, camps and yeah. things like that. Um, he had friends who were in. Eastern Europe, who were telling him, kind of, hey, here's the things that are going on. We're being put into ghettos. This is yeah. really bad. But he he basically had come out and said, if he knew how bad things really were, there's no way he could have made that movie. Mm. It's just you. There's just no possible way you can grasp with how do you 
how do you make the Holocaust funny? That's, you know, yeah, yeah. Unless unless you're Jerry Lewis and you're doing the day the clown cried. <laughs> yeah. See that we can make fun of. <laughs> That's inadvertent. But we're not making fun of the Holocaust. We're just making fun of Jerry Lewis trying to do something serious <laughs> with the Holocaust. Uh, uh, what? Um, it seems like uh, Chaplin too also had a, a personal grooming bone to pick with Hitler because he stole his mustache. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely. Um, you know, one of the things I, I came across when I was reading is that basically Chaplin thought that got some got some feedback from United Artists, which was his company that he worked with at the time, mm-hmm. that... I think he, he owned... He, yeah, he, he, he owned it. He was part owner Mark of Gable it. Yeah. Mary Pickford, or Douglas Fairbanks and Mary Pickford. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that, that sort of the messages he was getting from the studio was, we don't think we can do this in England because at the time, England was still under the strategy of appeasement. Mm-hmm. So they didn't want to be seen as doing anything that would piss Hitler off. Wow. Um, that, this was like in 39 when it was being made before mm-hmm. right before the the war kind of went nuts and um that they were afraid that it wouldn't be able to be played in America either because America was trying to stay neutral in the war wow. at that time wow so there was like this real he had to invest like a million 1.5 million dollars of his own money mm-hmm. into getting this movie made which back then was just an insane amount of money the sets are pretty outrageous they're pretty pretty amazing it was, yeah it was so much of his money that he had to actually start dressing like his tramp character he did going forward he had no more clothes that was just those were his clothes that's all he had left all he could really smoke sad. all he could down the street. all he could smoke were the little stubby cigar bits that he could find he was eating shoes but for real because he had no more money yeah well i want to thank uh our buddy ron adolph jr uh on the chat uh who was watching on facebook and hopefully sharing and resharing and telling everybody he knows about this um, because he came up with a great suggestion of a fictional country. Maybe it's even real now. It's Anvilania from Animaniacs. Oh, that's mm. a good one. That's a good one. Like that. Yeah. So thank you so much for your contribution to this dialogue um, and encouraging us. We, <laughs> we appreciate anybody who encourages us in our conversation. So uh, we are at the bottom of the second inning, and that's the most I know about sports. And I know Michael Winfield is going to share his second choice. Okay, my second choice is, I think this is the country, thinking back, is this is the one that I kind of created the idea for the topic, which was the fictional country of Valverde, the (laughs) South American, (laughs) maybe uh, Central American. You know, they're never really specific on it, and I think that's the point. Uh, it's a country that's featured in the movie Commando. Michael, right now our image is covered up by yeah. an image of uh, the Teutonic uh, muscle-bound man. Who is this Valverde? Do we think? No, no. Th- that's so. That's a point in the Looks movie. Like Griffith Park. Okay. Yeah, it's it's okay. like Catalina Island. Okay. <laughs> Well, because he, because okay, so the okay, so it was featured in a couple different movies. One, Commando, uh, pretty famously. Also, uh, Die Hard Two, and potentially it might be the country that they go into in Predator. I think the writer Shane Black kind of kind of assumes it's that, but they never quite say it. But so I'll go one by one in Commando. They're trying to overthrow the government, as you do, Mm -hmm. and they need um, John Matrix, the Arnold Schwarzenegger character. (laughs) This is a stupid name. Oh my god! Kidnap his daughter, and they try to Lincoln Hawks. Yeah, and try to blackmail him to going down to Valverde to assassinate um, the president to take over. Of course, he never makes it down there. Uh, He makes it as far as like um, trying to find where the current guy that they're going to install in the dictatorship of Valverde. Uh, 
is and it's like it's like a nice house in Catalina. I mean, really, it's yeah. just, he takes a seaboat, he takes a yeah. seaplane over there with um, Ray Dong Chan, and <laughs> he blows shit up. And then um, it's also featured in Die Hard Two, and it's another sort of situation. Basically, Valverde creates um, dictators, people trying to take over the dictatorship. Um, uh, you know, m- militaristic uh, 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 juntas and like just everything that they're trying to do is just basically just trying to somebody's trying to take over from somebody else. And uh, the big plot behind um, Die Hard Two is they're trying to oh, reinstall some sort of big military mucky muck, mm-hmm. and they have you know all this stuff nonsense. It doesn't matter. The, the, the point is is that they need a country that they can do this. They can tell these stories of. Yeah, but they can't say uh, yeah. It's, Nicaragua. It's in Nicaragua. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like that is the Valverde's equivalent of the five 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 area code yeah. in movies. <laughs> like, like nothing, nothing personal against. We just the studio just needs something yeah. to put yeah. in there. Insert. Uh, I, what I love about this is it also feels like in the uh, pecking order of, of Hollywood, there's like maybe like big studio heads and then there's like producers and there's these high powered directors screenwriters way down here mm. but um standards and practices lawyer he's way <laughs> down at the bottom past like the the guard at the gate who, mm. who, who doesn't let paulie shore into the studio he's that guy but <laughs> that's the guy saying nope you can't use nicaragua yeah <laughs> you have to use valverde that's funny this yeah. you know this guys this movie is filmed is is funded by the Nicaraguan government. We can't. <laughs> we can't. <laughs> well, I imagine, too, that that's true. You know, they have to film some of these things, some of these scenes somewhere. Yeah. And you can't, don't go actually filming in the country that you're yeah. like slagging. <laughs> yeah, that's bad form. That's very bad form. Uh, okay, so at, this is the halftime. And if I am uh, doing this correctly, I'm currently playing the theme music to our halftime. And I doubt I'm doing this correctly. But... Uh, um, I will at this point implore you if you're listening uh, on the podcast to go back and download rate and review past episodes and uh, if you're watching currently right now the stream do us a solid and give us a suggestion as to which fictional country you favor the most we would love to um, uh, hear what's on your mind and that's true actually ongoing with the Mount Rushmore uh, uh, show in general is that we love to dialogue with our listeners and viewers past uh, suggestors uh, have been on the show so it could happen to you it could have worse things could happen to you than being on the Mount Rushmore show I mean it's mostly because you know 280 something episodes in we're sick of talking to each other about this absolutely we're just the, the bickering we're just behind the scenes <laughs> yeah. it's like oh what are we gonna what are we gonna record it's like put it out put it out to the people that's true the people need to tell us because we're <laughs> what, what we're gonna yeah. do next Mount Rushmore of uh uh, cream shirts that we've worn <laughs> yeah. on the, on on the air. podcast. Yeah. This is actually, this podcast, something we didn't want to do. It's been mandated by a thera- therapist. Mm. They said, hey, you guys just talk it out on a podcast. Uh, I'm going to stop what has probably been the halftime music that didn't play. And or possibly point. start it. Or start it. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Who can I tell? I on the ones and twos and maybe not putting music out there when I think I am. So uh, we are going to go into our second. Anything else we want to tell these guys before? Into our second half. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a look at the chat. To see if no, I don't know. Okay. No, I, don't know. I think we're. In, I think we just appreciate you guys watching. Yeah. Um, we're trying to figure out new things that we can do. Maybe some stuff that would be specific just for the live streams. So maybe give you a little bit more incentive to tune in, if, even if you 
do listen to the podcast on the regs. I think I think uh, a, an idea that's been floated out there is um, strip Mount Rushmore podcast, where if we have the same choices, we got to take off an item of clothes. I think what that has been requested is the anti-strip. Oh. We just put more sure? cl- put more clothing on every time we make a choice. Just more cover. We'll have an, uh, some uh, clothing racks with an array of sweaters and <laughs> trench coats and things like that that our fans demand. All right. At this point, uh, if you just tuned in, and why would you be? Um, we are discussing the Mount Rushmore fictional countries. What's the difference between fictitious and fictional? I think Fiction it's... Means of, of fiction. Yeah. Fictitious, I think, means made, just means made up. Made up? Yeah. I think that's the difference. I think fic- fictional means it's part of a work of fiction. Yeah. But I think fictitious just means that it's not. Real. Yeah, the country, the country that your um, four-year-old or my four-year-old uh, creates. Yeah. Uh, where, uh, where's uh, where's that bad guy from? Volcano <laughs> I, uh, land. And you're like, okay. All right. Good kiddo. enough. All right, kiddo. Uh, so that means that uh, Richard is going to let us know his third choice. All right. This might be my silliest choice. Um, but Wait, it, I got theme music. <laughs> Um, it is the sovereign nation of Cobra Island. Oh my god! From GI Joe. Wow. Okay. Um, a uh, island that was created by uh, the GI Joes being tricked into triggering a fault line in the yes. Gulf Gulf of Mexico and yes. causing this previously undisclosed yes previously undisclosed island or previously non-existent island to rise out of the seas mm-hmm. like a reverse Atlantis. And do you have, uh, would you have the opportunity to describe what we're seeing on this map at all? I know you can barely see it from... Well, that map is basically, what we're looking at is an ad for the... Uh, it's tourism, the tourism board. The, the tourism board. Come visit scenic <laughs> Cobra Island. No, I believe that that is an ad for the Cobra Island playset from the 80s, which I know the G.I. Joe people were very reluctant initially to do a Cobra Island or even do um, action figures of any of the villains. The bad guys, yeah. Yeah, they thought that they wouldn't sell and it wound up that they wound up selling like 40% of their merchandise yeah. was all uh, of the bad guys. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the villains vehicles are so important. They're, they're the best They're the best things. They're the, the best stuff, the yeah. Cobra the Cobra Hiss, the tank, all, all of it. Absolutely. Mm. So once Cobra Island was created, Cobra winds up taking this over. Um, they wind up convincing enough world leaders, mainly third world sort of uh, despots and mm. banana republics and what have you, to recognize them as a sovereign nation. Yeah, one of, one of the, the dictator from Valverde was there. I'm sure he was involved, him. yeah. Um, and so this, that's how Cobra's commander, Cobra commander and other leaders within Cobra are able to have diplomatic immunity because they're not now not just random bad guys hmm. they're, ambassadors. they're ambassadors and leaders of this sovereign nation and i just hmm. i would love to see the debate in the united nations <laughs> when the subject of should cobra island become a, a voting member of the un <laughs> well who, who, do, who do they send who does who is cobra who does cobra baroness. commander send as the ambassador I think baroness not destro yeah baroness yeah, is baroness. a good choice yeah, yeah. So uh, Tomax and Zamoth, the two twins that just talk over everybody. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, they would. They might be good uh, choices. Doctor Mindbender is out there just, <laughs> just shooting down everybody. Can you see him just hanging around? Where's United Nations is Man- Manhattan or whatever? Yeah. Just, like, like, just chilling on, on a Central Park and walking around. And all of a sudden, Zartan's out there, and you're like, wait a second. <laughs> 
Oh, funny. Okay, so what made you pick this over other? I, I, I again, I just, I, I, the idea that it became its own sovereign nation and that they were able to convince enough that just, just by being the type of people who would sell weapons to anybody, yeah, that gave them enough currency to be able to convince all of these world leaders. Yes, you should be a country now. Mm-hmm. It just seems like that there's. Are we sure that's how that works? Yeah. <laughs> I don't feel like that's actually how it would work, but I wouldn't be that surprised if that's how, like, I don't know, the Cayman Islands came to be. Yeah. I, I don't know if there were Cayman Islands 100 years ago. Maybe it just popped up from the earth and then a bunch of people moved in and said, hey, we're a sovereign nation now. We'll let you do any banking that you want. Yeah, money Shady countries. Yeah, come on in. And they said, sure, you're Cayman Islands now. <laughs> That maybe that's maybe that's how Cobra Island worked. I don't know. I uh, I love that there are the names on this map. It's just pretty amazing. Like as a kid, I would eat that up too. And it does at the. What's funny is it also has the same kind of structure as a as a back cover foldout for Mad Magazine. Like <laughs> you're right. <laughs> like you should fold it together. Well, listen. I'm looking at this. I'm looking at this map. This island. And this is everything. This is the type of pirate island that I draw with Felix. <laughs> it has a volcano there. There's a waterfall there that looks like a, a snake pit. It has, a, a, you know, a rock for things to get shipwrecked against. Literally, we have like <laughs> half a dozen of these things just like strewn across his room. I, I love the idea that there is a luxury hotel. Oh, yeah. <laughs> on There is, according to the at least the Marvel comic book, G.I. Uh-huh. Joe lore, um, then which mainly is there for, again, third world despots who are there on vacation or buying their arms. Mm-hmm. You're, in, you're very in, North Korean, like you you're know, in the Hilton Cobra Island. Yes, but of yeah. course, there's probably like you know, like the blackout uh, dates. There's <laughs> blackout dates, points, literal, points, literal like. blackout dates. You show up and they black you out. You know, but there's also like like the kind of cut rate hotels on the island. Yeah. And that's just like the beds, the motels, the beds, motel six. The beds are literal knives. They're just right. You just get all these diseases, but on purpose. <laughs> you just invite the Jews. Oh, are, you gonna, are you going to torture us? No, we're going to put you in the Motel Six Cobra Island. <laughs> that was Paul Lynn as yeah Cobra Commander. Okay. But they do have free Wi-Fi at the Motel <laughs> yeah. Six. So the only problem is the only uh, it's, it, it's, it's it's dial-up, <laughs> and they steal all your information. Right, but yes, you know, know it ahead of time. Yeah. So it's <laughs> okay, Michael, what's your third choice? Uh, I, I hate to follow that with um, like a serious choice of Oceania from 1984. Oh, oh there the, you go. The Orwell book about you know the totalitarian state and how it. Well, I mean, I, ideally, Oceania is like also what like Cobra Commander is like looking for. He's, he's right. He's looking for the just a complete and total domination of the world. Anyway, but it's this. Um, you know, conglomeration of all these different like uh, past states, like the United States of America and Great Britain and Australia and um, uh, uh, Scotland and various parts of the world that are part of what's now just known as um, Oce- Oceania. And there's also, you know, a couple other major large states of Eurasia and uh, East Asia. But uh, what I think is fascinating is that there's like they created this, this you know, this cultural, this culture, and this um, country that is really decentralized. You're not really part. There's there's no England anymore. It's airstrip one. There's that's not like a different part 
of anything else other than part of the, the gigantic thing that is Oceania. And I think, you know, that's part of the whole part is to be totalitarian, to um, keep uh, all the, the people down, to keep them thinking the same thing or else they're going to be killed. And um, It's a monoculture. Yes. Yeah. And, um, you know, oh, very frightening. All these other ones that we've been talking about are just delightful. It's hard yeah. to follow up Cobra Island with something that is just like um, uh, horrifying. And, you know, obviously, uh, Richard, your second pick um, uh, from The Great Dictator, that one also is, you know, a, a horrifying place. Horrifying place. Yeah. But, um, you know, uh, Orwell created the ultimate uh, dystopian vision of the future mm-hmm. with, uh, when the state is everything. Mm-hmm. The country is everything, and you mean nothing to it. Yeah, yeah. That uh, uh, interesting. Who was it? Uh, Hitler's architect, Himmler, or, or Goebbels? Goebbels? Who was the actual? There was a guy who was like was Him- Himmler. I think Himmler. Um, this uh, idea of this brutalistic, um, hor- horrible uh, um, arch- architecture and geography for people to live in that saps them of any identity. I yeah. recently read something about Germania. The idea of what they were going to turn the capital of. Um, Germany into they were going to transform Britain or uh, Berlin into this uh, this the city was going to be called Germania with this gigantic you know this like gigantic oppressive dome mm-hmm. that covered it was the big one of the biggest things that's ever been built and all these uh, you know streets and roads that are meant for military parades and not for people and people would basically walk from place to place underground so that like wow. the, the people themselves would be less as a part of the state and not mm-hmm. be seen and just, you know, just these horrifying uh, visions of the future that were coming out yeah. when, uh, especially, you know, during the rise of uh, uh, fascism. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Soviet Union had brutalism, you know, the same kind of, like, yeah. it's just their architecture. It was just all, you know, very much, not even utilitarianism. It was just, here is the grayest, beigeest, blockiest, architecture you could have because we don't want anyone there's there's no attempt to try and have free thought into it identity identity yeah yeah. oh okay oceania ish oceania yes yeah i think that's what it is okay it's the name screws you up (laughs) all right uh so richard um it is time for you to be in the crosshair oh no is this a new segment we're doing Felix, All right, uh, uh, Richard, Richard actually scooch not over. You know, in the crosshairs. Get in the crosshairs. There you go. That's what a good sniper does. He he whispers to his prey. Hey, move over. <laughs> move over into my target. They're gonna wing you in the shoulder in the crosshairs. Don't you're fine. I am okay. Yeah. Okay, Richard. I have yet to determine what the crosshairs are. Okay. I I spent all my time putting together this graphic, <laughs> and I really yet determined what the crosshairs are. Okay. All right, Richard. Which of your ideas do you like the most so far? Oh, uh, it's got to be Cobra Island. Cobra Island. Oh, Cobra Island's just been removed from the consideration. Wow. I'm what? Still, I'm still Brutal. inventing. I'm still inventing. What the I don't heck? like this at all. <laughs> this is Jeff Hopkins. I am oh, now in the crosshairs. He put himself in the crosshairs. I, I love this. I this I like to, more. I just want you to know. No, that, I like this game. That I'm trying to. This is horrible. What the crosshairs? Are. This is so heartbreaking. That was that was a guaranteed three points for Richard <laughs> off the board, and I'm loving it. Michael, you are now in the crosshairs. Oh, fuck. Uh, see, now I know. See, here's the thing. What do I choose? Because it's going to be the opposite. Whatever you do, it's going <laughs> to. I feel like I feel like that scene in the Princess Bride, 
Oh yeah, I, you cannot yeah, choose yeah, one. Yeah, yeah poisoning. But you clearly cannot choose the other. Um, which of Richard's choices do you think? <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. All right. Uh, I don't know. Which of your choices did you like most? Of mine so far. Um, well, I, my last choice is my favorite. Wrong. It's Valverde. Oh, that is the crosshair. Shit. All right. I don't know what that was, guys, but welcome to the crosshair. Love it. The thing about the crosshair is nobody knows. Nobody knows until it's too late. <laughs> until it's too late. It's going to be the middle of the night, and you're just going to get a text or a phone call. And you're like, what? what? What's going on? You're in the middle of the crosshairs. Oh, what dream are you having? It's gone. Bad dream. Bad dream. Uh, all right, uh, Richard, what's your final choice? My final choice is the Mediterranean island of Mepos. Oh, okay. very fun. Okay. From uh, Perfect Strangers. Okay, I think I have an illustration of a very... Uh, is that... That's yep. Balky, okay. as he's leaving America or or Burst. Yeah, he's uh, leaving Mepos. He's leaving Mepos to go find his okay. cousin, his long, long lost distant cousin, Larry. Okay. Who looks suspiciously like Mark Lynn Baker. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I made this choice because Mepos comes back over and over again throughout the sort of series of Perfect Strangers mm-hmm. in Balky telling stories of what the way they did things back in the old country. You know, whether it's, you know, making Bibby Bopkiss or doing the Mepos Dance of Joy. Um, so much of it kind of depends on this this. F- fantastical retelling of the way things are on Mepos. Yeah, yeah. And I, 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 as a kid, Perfect Strangers was one of my favorite comedies. And I, I just fell in love with the place, even though I guess it's supposed to be Cyprus. Oh. I don't know. Probably. <laughs> yeah, they, 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 didn't they didn't want to, uh, to offend any of the people yeah. from Cyprus. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Cypriots out there. They didn't want you to, uh, no. I, like I said, I just, it was one of my favorite shows growing up. Um, I think the lore, it, the lore of Mepos was built up over seasons upon seasons, mm-hmm. and it wouldn't work as well as if he was from Cyprus. Yeah, or they said that the fact that you've kind of created this alternate world that where all sorts of wacky traditions and customs can come from, you don't have to worry about offending anybody. I think it works out well. Yeah, they uh, a similar thing was done. Uh, I can't remember where. Um... Oh, the, the Betty White character on um, Golden Girls. Golden Girls. She often would do the same thing. Would talk about Saint. Uh, it was like Saint Agnes or Saint Olaf. Saint Olaf. Saint Olaf. Yeah, all of all of the all of the Golden Girl heads are going to come down on us now. <laughs> um, where she do the same thing, where you can you can you can make fun of the people from a specific place that doesn't exist in a way and get off scot free for it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, uh, my good choice, Rich. One of my faves from SCTV was the Schmengi Brothers. In- I thought Lutonia. <laughs> I had Lutonia on my short list. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They they would say that whenever they um, when they would ever encounter anybody from a vague European, Eastern European country, they would always laugh because they knew they were making fun of another country, not their own. They knew Lutonia <laughs> was a stand-in for for, not for some country, other place, some other right? Place where those people were idiots. That's great. Yeah. Okay, oh, it's a fun uh, fourth and final yeah. choice there. Meepo. Are you going to ask me if I like it? Are you going to put me in the crosshairs sport? I think crosshairs are in the crosshairs. What's in the crosshairs? <laughs> the, the crosshairs. crosshairs. <laughs> the crosshairs are in the crosshairs. Oh, and next week will be the hot seat or the soapbox or something Uh-oh. like that. He's like Wally George's hot wants, sheet. <laughs> all he wants to do is he just wants these little like graphics to come up. He wants like flames are going to yeah. be licking up from behind at us. And it's going to be. <laughs> I'm trying to get like a little devil fork, like yeah. forking you in the butt or something like that. He's tr- it, what was that game show that had the little devil that 
would uh, come. A Joker's Wild. Joker's Wild. <laughs> <laughs> he has all these unused graphics. So he's like, I got them. I got to use them. I'll try to find it if it's. Yeah. He's, he's got. He's got a whole thing of whammies <laughs> ready to go. Uh, viewers and listeners, if you have any fun graphics, email them to, uh, you know, the place. Okay. Uh, all right. So, Michael, your final choice is what? Email them to Mount Rushmore at. Yeah. At funnygraphics. At internet. Yeah, internet. com. Okay. What's your fourth? We did them all. We did them all. Alta Vista. My fourth choice is the fictional. And fictionalized, now that we're talking about it, country of Bulgaria from oh. the movie Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Oh, sure. So at some point, um, Caracatus Potts takes his two children, Jeremy and Jemima, down to the seaside with um, uh, Truly Scrumptious, and now I have a, having a seizure. <laughs> uh, and he starts telling him a story about, uh, uh, about uh, Baron Bombast as the, uh, the ruler of this country called Bulgaria who wants to come and steal... Uh, their precious Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, and he sends out spies to try to capture it. And then eventually um, this pirate ship comes along, and it's, you know, obviously a, it's, this is the thing that kids eat up, spies and pirates and things blowing up and people being kidnapped, and uh, their uh, grandpa gets kidnapped by this supposed kind of mm, middle of Germany, Bavarian sort of alpine uh uh, Baron and, and his horrible Baroness wife because um, they want this technology. They want this flying car so they, of course, uh, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang can fly all of a sudden. It can also become a boat all of a sudden and uh, takes off to uh, land in this kind of Bavarian um, town that's filled with no children and um, just the adventures that happen there and just like this empty uh, kind of, uh, you know, uh, German sort of Swiss Alp sort of town with castles and yeah, it just you know it's it's just delicious, just so much fun, uh, making fun of uh, that culture that doesn't exist. Yeah, and it's fun like knowing that that was an Ian Fleming, um, probably a a, uh, a rejected Bond plot line, <laughs> right? <laughs> that he just changed. Yeah, the Baron and Baroness <laughs> Bombast are just yeah. some somebody. Uh, well, truly scrumptious funny. is just one off. Of Pussy Galore. I mean, it's, right. like, so, <laughs> it's like the PG version of that. Yeah. It totally is. Uh, as a kid, I remember watching that. And it had all of those things that a that a Bond film did. Like like hmm. an amazing uh, travelogue. Uh, you know, there even in the graphic that I pulled. Yeah, that he even, they even have a supercar. Yeah, a supercar flying yeah. over this beautiful European capital or, or Berg or whatever. But, but Berg. yeah. Yeah. Um, so 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 much fun um and it does seem the time was a little bit even as a kid i kind of wondering what what era yeah i mean you know the movie i think takes place sometime in the 1920s kind of post-war i think yeah um after candy musical instrument technology had had reached reached its certain (laughs) right (laughs) sweets um but certainly you know cars are somewhat new ish you know Mm -hmm. where Chitty Chitty Bang Bang itself was kind of a refurbished 1909 race car. Mm-hmm. So it's had been kind of, you know, under the weather, had been rusted out and kind of been rebuilt. But it's certainly, they don't have all the technology. It doesn't feel like it's, you know, it still feels um, uh, either pre-war or post-World War One. Sorry, not World yeah. War II. Some, some, somewhere around, 
uh, I don't know, the the, te- the teens yeah. or the twenties, and but oh, but yes, Bulgaria itself feels like something out of like uh, eighteen fifteen mm-hmm. or something. You know, it, it, French Revolution is only fifteen years old yeah. or something. You know, it almost seems like an isolated mountain. Yeah, town that time a little fiefdom fast. that yeah. yeah. That's fun. Okay, okay, okay. So uh, I want to caution you if you're watching the stream right now, mm. and few are. Um, let's just face it, very few are. Um, that we are going to take a break, in a 15-minute break, and we're going to come back with the Mount Rushmore of Lazy Sundays. Um, but before we do that, we are going to choose. We're going to make some uh, choices here. And out of consideration, because they fell victim Brutal. To the crosshairs. To the crosshairs. Crosshairs. <laughs> um, are Val Verde and uh, Cobra Island uh, G.I. Joe. So um, I am going to make some tough choices here, and I'm going to go with um, Tomania uh, and the Great Dictator. Uh, I'm going to go with, um, um, you know what? Because uh, life sucks for persons who are deemed by society to be not part of the norm and therefore marginalized, and so fuck that. Um, let's big ups to Genosha and big ups to um, everybody living free and having space to be who they want to be. So, um, and also um, Wakanda Forever. Uh, so we'll go with Black Panther. And why don't we go because um, the kid catcher scared the balls off of me as a kid. Bulgaria and Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. I would like to thank Alamy for loaning me this um, this copyrighted image for this. So. All right, Duders, I'm going to try to remove all the images that I have over our pictures, uh, and I'm going to say uh, this has been the Mount Rushmore of uh, fictional countries. I would like to thank uh, Ron Adolph Jr., and I would also like to thank um, uh, the other guy who was... John Steed. John Steed. I would like to thank both of you uh, folks for watching the show. Please tell all your friends and families and frenemies and enemies about the show, and uh, this has been the Mount Rushmore uh, uh, streaming podcast slash thing. I, as always, am Jeff. I'm Richard. I'm Michael.